Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, we want to continue our message from this morning on points of contact. Uh, Luke chapter 13. And uh, we're just going to read the two text verse here in chapter 13 of Luke. Verse 13 says, And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And then in verse 17 it says, And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. We're, we're rejoicing in the fact that uh, our God is real, and uh, Lord, you do miraculous things in our midst, and Lord, uh, we certainly have come tonight to acknowledge that and to uh, sing praises to our God. And uh, Lord, we just pray now that we might learn from the scriptures um, through the examples that we find in the life of Christ and uh, others, Lord, of how they had uh, great times of points of contact where they were able to share the good news that Jesus saves and lives were changed. And so help us, Lord, to be aware of the others uh, as we're out on our, our, on our job, in our neighborhood, in our homes, wherever we may be, whatever we may do, be doing, I pray, God, that we might be mindful of others. And so speak to us in a special way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we know the story here. We covered it this morning, and I'm not going to recover it tonight. But this woman uh, is in bondage for 18 years. Uh, nothing was helping her and, and bringing any healing to her, but she comes to Jesus and he heals her. And uh, it's the Sabbath day, and because of that, the Pharisees were very upset because he violated the Sabbath day, as according to their tradition. But yet this woman was released because she came in contact with Christ. Many people are in bondage, and many people are struggling with so many things uh, in their personal lives in the day in which we live. And the answer for those issues and problems is Jesus Christ. They don't know who he is. They don't know how to find him. But yet God has given us the grace and the mercy and the opportunities to be able to speak to others about who Jesus is, give them the answer for their problems. It's an amazing thing, even though the Pharisees were uh, really a very aggressive and angry with Jesus for doing this on the Sabbath, uh, when he rebukes them, they are all ashamed, and then the people rejoice and they glorify God. And when God does something in someone's life, there may be opposition, there may be questions and all kinds of things, but when we stay faithful to the Lord, continue to connect with others, uh, then Christ will be exalted and lifted up, people will be joyful, and God will be glorified. And so we need to have those personal contacts. So I'm just going to go through real quick the points from this morning and get right into the evening message. We talked about the point of contact with Nicodemus, and certainly that point of contact was uh, recorded for us in John chapter 3 and verse 2, where Jesus reveals to him the scriptures in reference to the fact that you must be born again. And uh, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And certainly that would have reminded Nicodemus of Jeremiah's warning that the people of Israel were a foolish people. They were without understanding because they had eyes to see, but they saw not, and ears to hear, but they heard not. And Jesus is confronting uh, Nicodemus with the necessity to be born again so they might have eyes to see, to be able to comprehend and understand who God is and what the kingdom of God is. And certainly the response was that Nicodemus was confused and questioned that, and as a result of it, uh, he would later on would follow Christ, he would believe on Christ, he would be gloriously saved and his eyes would be open to spiritual things and truths about the kingdom. So there was a contact with Nicodemus. There's someone that, like Nicodemus that God wants you to make a connection with. There's someone like Nicodemus that you could lead to the Lord. Then we talked about the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and we considered the fact that she was an undesirable person. To the Jew, it was very uh, foolish uh, for Jesus as a Jewish male to talk to a Samaritan woman. That was unheard of. And so that was an undesirable person in the eyes of the Jew. But yet Jesus took the time to sit down and talk to her and reveal to her who he was. 
And then he revealed also to her that she was an immoral person uh, because she had had five husbands and the man she was with was not her husband. And so he confronts her about her immorality that shows the need that we need redemption and forgiveness and cleansing and deliverance uh, because of our immoral conduct. And then she became a saved person when she trusted Christ. And a natural response was after she was saved, she became a soul winning person. She went into the city of Samaria and shared uh, with everyone uh, about Christ uh, that he had told her all these things about her life. Certainly this is the Christ. And many of the Samaritans believed on Christ because of the testimony of this woman who started out in her connection with Christ as being an undesirable person. And God can do miraculous things in changing people uh, 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 no matter what lifestyle they may be in or whatever background they're from, God can do miraculous things to where they can impact others. Then we talked about the nobleman's son healed. And uh, Jesus connects with him. He was an honorable person and uh, he was highly respected. And so it shows me that God wants us to get in contact with people who may be considered undesirable and just as much, he wants us to touch, get in contact with people who are honorable. And uh, certainly he was well-respected, but he was a man who was willing to trust. He was a trusting person because Jesus has simply told him to rise up and to go. Thy son is not going to die. He's alive. And he just rose and went to his family, and he found his son alive. So he was a trusting person. And as a result of that, he was an influencing person. Because of the fact he could trust the reality of who Christ was and how he, Christ presented him to this noble man, he believed on the Lord and his son was healed and it influenced the rest of his family. And when, when you allow God to do something miraculous in your life, it, you will be able to influence others around you. It's a, just a natural thing that when God is moving in somebody's life, other people take notice of that. And so the nobleman's son. Then we saw there was a connection or a contact with the man at the pool. And the man was uh, uh, paralyzed. He could not make his way into the pool when the waters were agitated to be healed. The problem was he had a continual condition. And his continual condition was that uh, he was... Uh, paralyzed. He was not able to uh, have access to an opportunity to be healed, but he comes in contact with Jesus Christ, and there is a confident revelation because Jesus uh, literally confronts him and talks to him and tells him to take up his bed, rise, and walk. And so he has confidence in what Christ said, and he rises up and walks, and he is healed immediately. And the influence, he was, you know, where am I at? Uh, next point, controversial reaction. I mean, right away, once again, here is this man being healed on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees were very upset with that. Their traditions were violated. And when I say this, when God starts connecting with people through his people, that's us, we start connecting with others to bring to them good news who Christ is and what God can do in their life, I'll guarantee it will become controversial very fast. Uh, people don't like it when other people get saved. Uh, you know, we go out soul winning. We're trying to focus on soul winning. We've got our map out there. We're starting to highlight the, road, the streets that we've been down, knocking on doors. And it's amazing how quickly when you start doing that, that you get phone calls from people because of the fact that they're upset or the police call because of the fact somebody called the police on somebody that's all dressed up and looking nice and carrying a Bible walking down the street. They look like a real weird criminal, amen? But the reality is there is always controversy and there was controversy with this man that Jesus healed at the pool. And so uh, connections, there has to be connections. Well, in Luke chapter four, Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, we want to look at uh, Peter's mother-in-law healed. And I heard old preachers say years ago, some people don't believe uh, Peter was uh, married. But he, if he wasn't married, he was the biggest fool in the world because he had a mother-in-law without a wife. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Here's, here's the point of contact in verse 38 of Luke chapter 4, it's a contact with a sick person. 
And I don't mean sick in mind. She was physically sick. Amen. And now uh, Luke chapter 4 in uh, verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And so uh, here is Jesus making a contact with someone who is sick. Uh, she's not sick unto death, but she's, she has this great fever, and they desire for Jesus to heal her. Now, I thought about this. There's many contacts that we can make with people who are sick, people who are ill. Uh, we can go into the nursing homes and talk to people. We can go into the hospitals and visit people. Uh, we have, there's people that are home, uh, maybe from the hospital, or they're having to stay home because they're sick. That They are great opportunities for us to be able to connect with people because of the immediate needs that they have in their life. Oftentimes, we don't think about that. We just think, well, so-and-so's sick. We don't have to worry about them. Or a relative may be sick, and we just kind of ignore uh, that opportunity that God is opening a door for us to be able to go and talk to them about who Christ is. If nothing else, you can pray for them. As I mentioned, I went to talk to that fellow in the uh, hospital a couple weeks ago, and I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, no. I said, okay, I'll pray for you. And I prayed for him. You know, the, people can't stop you from praying. And they need, listen, they need somebody to comfort them in their sickness. They need to have someone connect with them that tells them there is a God in heaven who cares about you and he can touch you and he can heal you. And I'm here to make that connection with you. And so here she was, he connected with a sick person. Not only was she a sick person, but she was a healed person also. In verse 39, it says, He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately he arose and, and she arose and ministered unto them. And so Jesus, when he comes in contact with this sick person, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, uh, he touches her and he heals her. And I know, I really believe with all my heart that God is still in the business of healing people. And uh, I've seen it take place over the years. God miraculously has healed. And I just know that God will heal if he's going to get glory. And uh, there's, you know, it's amazing to me that as you go through the scriptures, there's people that, that are healed and God is glorified. There's other people who are not healed, but God's working in their life. God is glorified. And so it's, it's not the will of God. The will of God is not the same for every individual. And it's for us to be able to find out and to discern what is the will of God concerning the matter. But I know this, whether God is going to heal or he's not going to heal, God gives us opportunities to connect with people who are hurting, people who are sick, and they have someone there to be able to encourage them and pray for them. And then this sick person who became a healed person became a serving person. It's just interesting. In verse 39, as soon as she was healed, it says she immediately arose and ministered unto them. And so here now she is serving others. She's serving the Lord. And it is a natural response that when God does something miraculous in our life, there ought to be a spirit of appreciation where we turn and serve the Lord. We reach out to others and be a help to others. Uh, there's something wrong with a Christianity that simply is a selfish Christianity. It's just simply uh, living my life. God, what will you do for me? God, how will you bless me? Uh, God, work in my life. I want others to help me. I want others to encourage me. But don't ask me or expect me to do something and reaching out to somebody else. Uh, there's something wrong with that type of Christianity. And I look around here tonight and I think, well, I shouldn't have announced I was having a two-part message. It did so good this morning. Everybody came back for the evening one, you know, but uh, I can see they didn't. But, uh, but just in that, just in, the simple, just in the simple thing of people attending church, you know, I don't know about you, it discourages me when I don't see people in church. It discourages me when you reach out to help somebody or try to serve, help serve someone or meet them in their time of despair, and then there's no response afterwards. That bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you or not, but I see that when Jesus met with 
Peter's mother-in-law, she was in very serious situation where she was not capable of ministering to others, and Jesus healed her, and her immediate response was she ministered to them. And so don't forget that God, when he makes a connection with you, that God has something for you to do. God wants you to serve him for his glory. So I see Peter's mother-in-law healed. In John, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5, in verse 12 through 15, I see a leper healed. So we have a couple of different situations here. Uh, the, the sickness that Peter's mother-in-law had was not nigh unto death, and it was not a debil debilitating disease or sickness. But now we have somebody that is a leper who is, is really an outcast because of the fact that if someone had leprosy, no one wanted anything to do with them because of the fact it was a, 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 a life-threatening disease. And notice in verse 12 of Luke 5, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for the, thy cleansing according to, as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So I see a couple of things here. The point of contact of Jesus is with someone who had an uncontrollable disease. Uh, leprosy, they had no means of healing it. Uh, they had no means of uh, controlling it. It was a disease that was uncontrollable. And oftentimes people get diseases and they can't do anything about it. Doctors can't do anything about it. And uh, yet we need to connect with the Lord. God is interested in meeting with and touching and interacting with those uh, that are dealing with things that cannot be controlled in their life. And uh, it may be emotional situations. It may be physical situations. Uh, it may be family situation. Who knows what it may be, but there are things that are completely out of your control. There is a ability that we have to be able to connect with the Lord for him to get involved in our life that is out of control. And so here is an uncontrollable disease. The revealing of scriptures was very clear because he tells him it's a ceremonial response. He tells him to go, don't tell anybody that you're healed, but rather go and tell the priest, show yourself to the priest. The law of Moses required if a person had leprosy and they were supposedly healed of that leprosy, that they would have to go and present themselves to the priest, offer the sacrifice that was required, and then they would have to be observed to see if literally the leprosy would depart and there would be no evidence of leprosy within the skin. And so there was a ceremonial response. I think when we think of, of God meeting us at a point of uh, uh, dealing with uh, a disease or some situation that is not being able to be controlled in our life, there is a ceremonial response when God does something. When God moves and he corrects the situation, I believe God wants us to worship him. I believe that God wants us to surrender to him. I believe that God wants us to acknowledge the will of God, the word of God, and the way of God in our life as this leper was doing that when he would go and show himself to the priest. It was a ceremonial response. In verse 15, I see that it was an evangelical outcome. In verse 15, it says, But, as much, uh, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And uh, I just thought of this, that because of this man who was a leper being healed and following the ceremonial law and presenting himself to Moses as evidence of that healing, I mean the word spread around. I mean the word spread quickly that Jesus has healed a leper. And as a result of it, multitudes of people, great multitudes it says, 
came together to hear about this healing and to experience an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, when the hand of God moves, people come to see the great things he's doing. Oftentimes I've had people say, well, you know, I just don't, the church isn't growing. And uh, it doesn't grow at times. It goes down at times. It grows at times. Church growth, I've tried to figure out church growth for 35 years. I ain't figured it out yet. Amen. I've seen us go out soul winning, knock on doors for hours, and never talk to one person. And then you come in church on Sunday, and you have visitors show up. It's like, where do they come from? Uh, God honors principles that he requires of us to live by and to exercise, and I just have found this over the years, when God is doing something, when God shows up, and God stirs the heart of the people of God, the word gets out real quick. And may I say this, gossip gets out real quick too. We're always worried about the gossip that gets out, and all the things that are said about us. I've learned this, I don't want to worry about those things. All I want to do is rejoice in the goodness of God and what God's doing and let God spread the word that he's here at Ocean County Baptist Church. And he's here doing something in the hearts of the people and he brings a spirit of revival. And so when God shows up and God does something, people will hear about it and they'll come and want to learn about it. So here's a leper that was healed. You get people healed of sin where they're saved and they're born again and their lives are changed. And I remember a couple of years ago that I had witnessed to, yeah, I was up in Oakhurst and uh, they were divorced. They had gotten divorced because of the fact of uh, her husband was an alcoholic and uh, she was coming out to church and she was growing in the Lord. Then I was able to meet her husband and uh, uh, he got saved and he was coming out to church. And I mean, they were just growing and uh, here it is her ex-husband and she's coming to church and he's coming to church and they're growing in, in the relationship with the Lord. They're connecting with Christ and the situation they were in seemed like it was a dire situation that would never be corrected. But then God brought them back together when they met with God. And I was thankful I had the privilege of get, remarrying them in their home. We just had a private ceremony together in their home. Uh, they committed their, their vows one towards another in the home and renewed their marriage. And it was because God did something in their life. And I'm just saying this, when God connects with us, I don't care if it's un, an uncontrollable disease, that God can overcome those things that are out of control in our life and God can do a miraculous thing and it develops into an evangelical outcome. Because people hear it, and they're interested in it, and they respond to it, and they want to hear and see what God is doing. So I see Peter's mother-in-law healed. I see a leper healed. I see a paraplegic man uh, healed in Luke chapter 5 in verse 20. It says, that when they saw, he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And so here is this man, a point of contact was based on the fact that there was a unified effort that was made. Verse 19 says, When they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, uh, they went about the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. We know the story here. This man is paraplegic. He's bound uh, to his cot. He cannot uh, function or walk. And his friends want to get him before Jesus. There was no way to get through the crowds that were at Peter's house as uh, Jesus is teaching there. And so they take and they rip up the roof and they lowered this man down on his cot in front of Jesus Christ. He got in a position of contact with Christ because of a unified effort, because he had his friends with him who worked together to get him before Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we need to remember that God wants us to be unified in our effort to work to get people in the presence of the Lord. And uh, it's all right for one person or whatever to do whatever, but I'm going to tell you this. You can do more with three or four or with 10 or 20 or for 15 or 100 or whatever it may be. There needs to be a unified effort. Soul winning and bringing people in connection with God is not the pastor's job only. It is the job of every Christian 
every believer to go out and make contacts with others. There needs to be a unified effort. If you look at that map out, there are all the streets of Tom's River. Now, there's no way that this person right here can hit all those houses by myself. There is no way that we can connect with people who need Christ by one or two people doing it. There has to be a joint effort. And there ought to be a multitude of people coming out on Saturday mornings to go out soul winning. There ought to be a multitude of people. I'm going to be doing soul winning on Tuesday nights. There ought to be a multitude of people who come out on soul winning on Tuesday night. And uh, I'm just saying this. It has to be a unified effort. It cannot be left up to one or two people. Supposedly, they're going to be able to make all the connections and people are going to be saved. This man, this one man, had four people connected with him to get him in front of Jesus Christ. And I often think about how many times, how many people it takes to get somebody before the Lord. I remember years ago, Dr. Malone testified that this family had gotten saved in the church and got baptized at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And he was curious of how many visits that had been made to that family by the time they got saved and baptized and joined the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And uh, he, got the, he got a hold of the visitation pastor, old Dr. Halter, and uh, he used to come out on Thursday nights with a briefcase. And the briefcase was full of three-by-five cards that were all visits that need to be made. And uh, he, I asked him about that one visit. And if I remember correctly, there was like 30 visits that went to that house before they got saved. Because when they came into the church, uh, they were given a visitor card. Their children went into Sunday school. Now, the sad thing is we have people who are members of our church that don't go to Sunday school. But I, need, I believe there needs to be a renewing and a refreshing and reviving of the necessity to be in Sunday school. But anyway, they came in. Uh, the, each deacon... Now listen to me. Each deacon in the church got a card with their name on it to go visit them. Each Sunday school teacher, whether it was adult Sunday school teacher or each grade level, they had several children. Each Sunday school teacher got a card with their name on it to go visit them. Uh, each person that worked in the junior church ministry got a copy of their visitation card to go visit them. And all these people in that church made visits to this one family. And it was over 30 visits that were made to this one family. And they got saved and baptized and joined a church. That's what I'm talking about. A unified effort. It is not a matter of saying, well, so-and-so came to church. I hope the preacher goes sees them. No, it's about we have a responsibility and an obligation to get people in connection with Christ, and it requires every one of us being involved in that. You're a Sunday school teacher. You ought to be visiting your students in your classroom. Uh, you're a deacon. You need to be visiting the deacon's list, the shepherd's list that you have. You need to go visit the families. You're a bus worker. You need to go visit the families. You're a junior church worker. You need to go visit the families. Now, if there is no connection by everyone in the church to, as a unified effort, why would somebody want to come here? Because it doesn't show that we care about them. And so this, these four men had a unified effort in bringing this man in contact with Jesus Christ. Notice it was a magnified effort. Because in verse 20 it says, When he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And so the, the reality of the grace of God that was present. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the amazing thing is that man was paralyzed. He couldn't do anything to get in front of Christ. That man was bound to his cot. He couldn't do anything to connect with Christ. But with these men, his friends, who brought him before Jesus, demonstrated the great grace of God because of the fact this man had done nothing in deserving to meet Jesus. This man had done nothing deserving to be saved and forgiven his sins. 
Jesus even identifies the fact that he's not acknowledging the faith of this man on the cot. He's acknowledging the faith of his friends who brought him there. What does that demonstrate? It demonstrates to me that there was no justification for that man that was on the cot to be forgiven and healed in any shape or fashion. But there's grace of God that magnifies the effort of those who are willing to bring people to Christ. And I just know this, that God will magnify his grace if we'll have a unified effort to get people saved. Notice in verse 26, he glor they glorified God in uh, verse 26 of uh, Luke chapter 5. It says, and they were all amazed. I mean, they were shocked by what took place. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Boy, I like to, you know, I know you get to see strange things every week when you see me standing up here, amen. But people ought to say, Man, there's strange things happening in that church over here. And I ain't talking about something weird and something demonic and something fleshly. I'm talking about strange things. It's a strange thing for God to move in a church. It's a strange thing for people to be saved. It's a strange thing for people to start living for God. And I'll tell you, we ought to, we ought to be willing to, to connect with people, to bring them to Christ, so the grace of God will be magnified because God will be glorified because people will say, I've never seen it on this fashion before. I've never, you know, I was talking with Pastor Duan and lined up music and everything. And tonight we changed the order of the service around. He said, well, you know, we normally just do choir. And he said, do you, you want to do it this way? Or because, you know, we, I said, yeah, I want to do it this way because I want to change it. They're too comfortable. They're too used to what's going on. I want to do whatever I can do to shake you up, to get you off track, to make you sit there and think, what in the world is he doing that for? Maybe I'll get you to pay attention for five minutes. Amen. We need to glorify God so that God can do strange things in our midst. God, you can have your, hey, we, we want to need to give God permission to do whatever he wants to do. And so this paraplegic man was healed. But it, he was healed because of a point of contact. And people aren't going to be healed if they don't come in connection with Christ. Notice there's a widow's son raised in Luke chapter 7 in verse 12 through 15. In Luke chapter 7 in verse 12 through 15. I want you to see this point of contact in verse 11 and 12 was based on the fact that death is discouraging. Uh, Luke chapter 7 and verse 12. 11, I'm sorry. And it came to pass the day after that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. I'm going to tell you, when Jesus came to the city of Nain, the thing that he witnessed and what he saw was a time and a state of sorrow. And a time of distress and a time of discouragement because this woman who was a widow who had no family, her husband was gone, she only had one son and her son now is dead and she's left by herself. This woman was in a state of discouragement. But hallelujah, when she, Jesus comes into the city of Nain, there's going to be a connection made, a contact made as Jesus comes and uh, meets with her there. I've often told uh, different funeral homes uh, around the area. I've told them, I said, if somebody comes and uh, uh, they have a family member that dies, they don't have a preacher to do the funeral, I'll be glad. You call me, I'll come over and do the funeral. And uh, why is that? Because most people don't have churches anymore. Most people don't have pastors anymore. And most people, when they're in that point of sorrow, they have no hope. They're discouraged because their loved one has died. And I'm, I'm willing to make a contact. I'm willing to make a connection with a family who is sorrowing and grieving over the loss of a loved one that they might be able to find hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus connected with this woman who was grieving over the loss of her son. 
De death is discouraging. And I, I say, apart from, listen, even for the Christian, I'll just say this. We have the hope that we're going to see our loved ones in heaven again. But I'm going to tell you, when you stand alongside that gravesite, it's not a happy time. It's a discouraging time. The only hope that we have and the only happiness that we have is the fact that we'll be able to see our loved one in heaven one day. But this poor woman, she's all alone. She's a widow woman and her son is dead. And Jesus comes and he contacts her and meets her at the gate of the city. So we see the point of contact when death was discouraging. I see the point of contact is revealing of scripture in that death is defeated. It tells us in verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. I just, it's amazing to me. As I was going through this message, and as I've been reading through the Gospels, how many times it says that Christ had compassion? And we say, well, we need to be like Jesus. Well, I think that means we need to have compassion. She said he saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. I'm going to tell you the death that brought discouragement and sorrow in the life of this poor widow woman, that death has been defeated because Jesus Christ cries out this young boy to this young boy to arise and it says in verse 15, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother. Uh, can you imagine the scene as Jesus is there and as they're carrying, the pallbearers are carrying the dead person out to have him buried. They're coming out of the gate of the city. They are weeping in their sorrowing. A woman has no hope. A mother has lost all joy. And Jesus comes and he sees him and he has compassion on the woman and he tells the young lad that's laying on this bed of death, rise up. And he sits up. I can only imagine what, what must have been the response of those that were carrying him. I'm going to tell you their joy, their, their sorrow was turned into joy. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though you are dead, yet shall he live. I'm thankful for passages of scripture. It gives us the hope that death is not the end. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, in verse 55, we often read this at the graveside of those that we bury. It says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the amazing thing is this. We may have to face and deal with sorrow because of death that may come. But wait a minute. There's a Savior. There's a God who gives life, and it's life everlasting. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And Christ demonstrated that when he tells this young boy, rise up, and he sits up on the cot alive, and that this woman's sorrow is turned into joy. I see not only was there death that is discouraging and death that is defeated, but I see fear that is generated. I'm going to tell you, this would generate some fear in my life. In verse 16, there came fear on all. I mean, they were shook up. And it says, and they glorified God saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. I just know when God does something miraculous and God makes a connection with people, the miraculous new life that he gives us, it creates fear upon people. It stirs them with the reality, wait a minute, that God has visited us and God has done something miraculous. I want God to visit us, amen. I want God to show up. I want God to do something miraculous. I want God to instill in us a sense of fear and awe in reference to who he is. People used to fear the wrath of almighty God. We have lost that. God come down and do something miraculous, meet with us, we're willing to meet with you, Lord, and do the miraculous like you raised this widow's son in our midst. And so we see, I really believe there's people that need to be resurrected spiritually. 
I believe with all my heart. We often talk about the physical raising of the dead. I think there needs to be some spiritual raising of the dead spiritually. Amen. Uh, God needs to restore their faith. God needs to build them up. God needs to give them joy. God needs to give them uh, power. God needs to once again create in them a new heart. I just say this. God stir us instill fear in us because of the miraculous work that God will do in someone's heart and life. It may require God taking somebody's life. He has done that. We often read in 1 Corinthians 11 when we have communion, they violated, desecrated the communion table. Their sinful conduct, Paul says, for this cause... Many of you are sickly, and many of you sleep. Literally, you say many of them had died. And God will shake us up. God will do what is required when he connects with us to instill fear and reverence in reference to who he is. Notice in the book of Acts, these were all contacts of Christ, but I couldn't pass up Peter and Paul and John. They cried out to me, please mention me in the message. <laughs> so I said, all right. Peter and John, notice in Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, their point of contact, their point of contact created awareness, awareness. Notice in Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, in Peter fastening his eyes, well, I'll read verse 3. He says, When seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And so, awareness. When there is a point of contact, this man would be on the steps of the temple. He would be crying out for alms from people. He was needy. Uh, he was crippled. Uh, he needed uh, uh, someone to help him financially and care for him. And uh, here is Peter and John going up to the temple to pray at the time of the hour of prayer. And as they're going up there, he cries out to them. And John and Peter make a connection. And their connection was in reference to awareness. They were aware of what this man's need is. Notice the revealing of the scriptures in chapter 3 and verse 6. Uh, acknowledgement. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The acknowledgement is this, that there was a situation and a problem that this man had that was beyond the human ability to meet his need. And if we're not willing to make connection with people, we'll never be aware of their condition. And if they were not aware of their condition, there is absolutely no way we'll acknowledge what is necessary to be done in their life. He said, gold and silver have we none. Basically, they're saying, gold and silver is not your problem. The reality is what they needed, what, what he needed was healing. And in chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, uh, well, verse 7, he says, And he took him by that right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he... Leaping up, stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising. That's all. I would preach that message. Amen. Uh, we need to be walking and leaping and praising. And while you preach that, I'll have somebody get mad at me. Oh, you're just wanting to get involved in emotionalism. Well, I just know this. This fellow got pretty emotional. Amen. I mean, he was healed. Peter and John said, wait a minute, I understand. I'm aware of your problem, and I'm acknowledging the fact that, humanly speaking, there's nothing I can get do. We don't have any silver, and we don't have any gold, but I'll tell you what, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I mean, that old fellow got up, and when he got on his feet, I'm going to tell you, he didn't just walk around. He leapt. He was and he, we see the rejoicing that came into his heart, walking and leaping and praising God. And I'll tell you, when the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that he was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. 
Uh, we need, you know, people start getting happy in the Lord if there's some wonder and some amazement. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed. We sang that song this morning. I'm amazed that you love me. I'll tell you, church should have been standing on their feet. Church should have been shouting out amen. The church should have been at least smiling. I'm amazed. I'm, am I'm amazed. I'm amazed that God would love me. Wicked, wretched sinner. God loves me. And I'm going to tell you, when God saved my soul, he put a fire in my bones, and I never got over it. Amen. It's still burning in Oh, it's hot, man. <laughs> we need God to put a fire in our bones. I've had people get mad at me over the years. You get too excited. You get yelling a holler too much. You get running around. I said, well, wait a minute. God put a fire in my bones, and nobody's been able to quench it yet. I'm saying, burn, baby, burn. I'll tell you what. I get excited in the Lord. Nobody else will get excited. Amen. Now I can start doing like I used to do when I first started out preaching. I'm getting hot up here. I'm sweating. I used to rip off my coat and throw it over there and get preaching and running around. Get stirred up. Amen. Point of contact, Peter and John. This man. People walk, listen, people walk by him every day. People walk by him on the Sabbath day. The temple would be filled with people coming to the temple to pray, and they just walked by him. The difference that was made in this man's life was the contact, the contact of Peter and John with him. You can't make a difference in people's lives if there is no contact. Then I thought about the Apostle Paul, and this is the last one. You'll rejoice with this one because it's the last one, amen? Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, we see, and there's a whole lot more contacts in the scriptures, uh, but, you know, we'll just cover these. And uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse 14 says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Tyre, Tyre, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of the Apostle Paul. And so here's the point of contact. And uh, she is listening to what Paul and Silas has to say. She's connected with them as they're preaching the word of God. And so there's a, con a contact there. The revealing of the scriptures was that she heard them in reference to what was spoken by the Apostle Paul. And so Paul was famous on preaching the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation. Amen. And so Paul was always preaching the gospel of Christ. And so here he is, and this woman named Lydia is there. She's a businesswoman. She's the seller of purple. And she came there for the purpose of worshiping. But when she gets there, she had her religious experience that she wanted to fulfill but she heard from Paul, and she heard the good news. She heard the gospel. There was a connection made, and the scriptures were revealed. And in verse 15 is the response. She got saved, baptized, and burdened for her family. And when she was baptized in her, her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there and she constrained us. I mean to tell you, when she, when she got saved, she got a good dose. She said, you know what? I enjoy the preaching, but I want to hear some more. Come over to my house and preach. You know, I'm glad I got saved, but my family needs to be saved. And she got her family saved. She said, I know I need to be obedient, be baptized. And so she was baptized, and her whole household got baptized with her. And uh, she just wanted them to be faithful in coming to their, her house to preach the word of God. This point of contact with Lydia made a change and a difference in her life and the life of those in her family. It all started just because of a point of contact. And every, listen, every one of these situations, the difference that was made was because at the point of contact, the scriptures were revealed. And when the scriptures were revealed, then, then there was an immediate response 
and God moved and was magnified, all because of a point of contact. I know this, that we need to be concerned about getting in contact with people. Who did you talk to this afternoon? There's somebody you ran into, somebody you talked to. And uh, you said, well, I didn't talk to anybody. I went out of here because I knew you were going to ask that question tonight. So <laughs> I jumped in my car and I ran home real fast and I shut the door and locked it. <laughs> so I didn't have anybody I could talk to. Uh, no, there's people we're going to come in contact with this week. Hand them a track. Tell them that God loves them. T t tell them that there's good news. Uh, you know, the political realm, is everything's falling apart. The country's corrupt. We're going under. Nobody talks about it. Do you understand the debt in America is still going up? It didn't stop. It's still going up. Nobody's addressing the issue. I don't know how in the world we expect to continue to function and operate. Everything's falling apart. Paint a picture of doom and gloom. Amen? <laughs> then tell them, that's all right. I've got the answer. Jesus is the answer, man. You're going to have hope in Christ. Amen? I'm telling you what. Uh, stir them up. I mean, back in the 70s, people were getting saved and churches were growing. Why was it? Because it was Bible prophecy was the focus of every church. And I'll tell you, all we preached about was the mark of the beast and the tribulation people and people are going to die in hell and go to hell. I mean, the rapture is going to happen and your loved ones are going to be left behind. Hey, that's still true in 2019. People need us to connect with them. People need us to help them to understand what the answers are in life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. You're a glorious God. It's amazing what you'll do if we'll just make that connection. So help us, Lord. Give us uh, eyes that are wide open, ears that are sensitive to conversations, and a heart that is compassionate towards others. And Lord, I pray that as Jesus, as Peter, John, the Apostle Paul, as all of these in the scriptures constantly came in connection with people, help us to be connected with people, to show them that we care, and help them understand that there's a God in heaven who loves them, and God, that they can have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. So bless in this invitation, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.